I'm right. I know I am. I found something. It's not a... It's not a radio broadcast. It's... Some sort of dictation, like dictated notes. And it's from inside the JMB. Or the Innocent Montgomery Institute of Research and Development, I guess. But nobody ever called it that, not even after they changed the name. Let me play it. You'll see what I mean. Fourth quarter. Five-day polyhymnia dosage refinement test, day two. Adding two microliters of... Compound TH7F34 to wells A1 through A3 of plate 1. Loading 10 micromolar group into the flow cytometer as we speak. Proportion of fluorescing cells is 70% with a cell density of 941 cells per millimeter. Oh, Tim, I told you I'd be in 5G today. Sasha? Yes. Move to another room. I can't have you talking over me while I'm dictating notes. You move. You know I prefer to work in 5B. I can't move, Tim. I'm in the middle of a cell count. Did you hear that? 5B and 5G. Those don't sound like they'd be next door to each other, do they? Remember this? I don't have to guess. It was something about the way the vents were positioned. You'd be all the way over in 2F, and somebody would say something in 2A, and it sounded like they were standing right next to you. We started planning around it. If me and Carlos wanted to talk logistics, we'd have to go over and tell folks in the other room to can it or get lost for half an hour just so we could hear ourselves think. It's the exact same acoustic issue as the Technovision staff were having. The exact same. This recording is from inside the JMB, which means it's from Calliope Research. And that means it's not a broadcast. You can tell just from listening to it that it's not for public consumption. Nothing Calliope did was for public consumption. Sometimes I think they bought that building specifically because it was so ugly. Like they hoped it would discourage people from even wanting to look at it. You know that string of letters and numbers? Towards the beginning of the clip. TH... TH7... F34. At a glance, you might think that was a chemical structure or something, but it's not. I tried looking it up. It's a code. Probably specifically intended to make it completely impossible to know what they're talking about unless you have access to some sort of key. Doesn't that seem kind of weird for someone who's taking notes in a corporate lab? Notes that no one else is likely to ever hear in the first place? If what you're worried about is a hypothetical spy using your building's fucked-up acoustics to overhear the details of an experiment from four or five rooms away, maybe not. That sort of paranoid would be very on-brand for Calliope. Calliope was infamous for that. They were so notoriously secretive about their work that making wild guesses about it was a running joke on CPPL. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, these two women from the neighborhood, Tony and Charlene, would do this half-hour talk segment, 
and it always started with a game called Chief of All Muses. Each of them would suggest the most outlandish thing they could think of that day, and then listeners would call in to vote on which they thought sounded more likely. Here's the thing. In case you're unfamiliar, the phrase Chief of All Muses comes from the poets Hesiod and Ovid, who both used it to refer to the muse of epic poetry. Calliope is the muse of epic poetry. They never set out right what the game was about, but we all knew. Everybody knew. All you had to do was search the name. Didn't help that none of Calliope's staff were from the area. Folks almost never saw them outside of the building, and everybody who did said they tended to be kind of terse and evasive, even if you tried to talk to them about things that were completely unrelated to their research. There was actually a rumor going around that they weren't allowed to talk to us. We weren't supposed to interact with the locals. And I don't know if any of you would remember this, because it was only mentioned briefly in that documentary excerpt I shared, but the site the JMB was built on used to be a community park. That's important. I moved to that area a while after Calliope acquired the building. But what I was always told was that before that, back when Tech Division was there and afterwards, when the building was empty, people would still go and have picnics on the lawn and under the trees, and, and the biggest problem anyone ever encountered was a problem with the design of the JMB itself. Uh, apparently, the way the windows were shaped and oriented meant that at certain times of day, certain windows would focus the light they reflected into a point on the ground, and sometimes they would set the grass on fire. But because the visual aspect of the building was so important, instead of doing anything about it, Soper Realty set up this automated sprinkler system that went off at the specific times of day that the lawn was most likely to catch fire. So you could just be having a nice lunch with your family and suddenly get fucking soaked because it was August and Soper had updated the sprinklers to account for the fact that the current position of the sun meant the JMB was trying to commit arson slightly earlier in the day than you'd expected. Supposedly the front of the building was the worst for it. The whole facade was glass, and because the road leading up to it was asphalt, sometimes it'd get so hot it could actually melt the soles of your shoes. A couple people filmed themselves frying eggs in front of the JMB just to prove a point. You might still be able to find those videos somewhere. I'm not sure. All that stopped the second Calliope moved in. Not the JMB laser window issue. The people actually having fun with the wacky properties of the building nobody wanted built there in the first place issue. When I lived there, not only had Calliope put up fences around the entire property, they also had security patrolling the lawns to detain anyone who tried to get inside, even if they clearly weren't trying to approach the building. <laughs> One time, a local birdwatcher got into a huge amount of trouble just for pointing her binoculars at a tree that happened to be inside the fence. She was an 85-year-old Uruguayan woman who barely spoke English. But Calliope made such a fucking production of it that she made it onto the local news. She actually became a bit of a celebrity after that. A year or two later, CPPL organized a volleyball tournament to fundraise for local wildlife preservation, and the winning team called themselves the Peking Louisas. Calliope was so outrageously hush-hush about what they were doing that it was honestly kind of cartoonish. That's where all the conspiracy theories about them being responsible for the sinkhole come from. I'd probably be more open to the suggestion myself if they hadn't gone under right after the hole opened up. 
didn't mean for that to be a pun. They went bankrupt and dissolved, is what I was trying to say. Though I guess it's not untrue to say they went under in a literal sense, you know, since the JMB fell into the hole. Relatable. But yeah, this audio is from Calliope, from the JMB. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And that's thrown a wrench into my working theory, which is that these signals are the whole sort of echoing or repeating broadcasts that were going out at the time it opened up. I know it sounds a little harebrained at first, but if you... If you consider that me and the other members of the 112 didn't age while we were in the hole, it actually seems pretty plausible that it could be... I don't know, this moment stuck in time? The Calliope audio, while it doesn't necessarily disprove that theory, has created a very weird issue for me. Why do I have this? Why is this here? Why is this audio that was very clearly intended not to be public coming through in such a public and accessible way. It's really thrown me for a loop. What does this mean for the other tapes? Some of this stuff I'm coming across, is it... Is it voicemails? Phone calls? People giving voice commands to their smart devices? What am I hearing? What is it that I'm listening to? And... If this isn't constrained by the parameters I thought, if these aren't things that were intentionally broadcast for public consumption, what are the ethical repercussions of that? I mean, I don't really give a shit about airing Calliope's dirty laundry. They've been gone for 40 years and fuck them anyway. But what if some of this stuff is private, is personal? Forty years is not that long. It's very possible that there are relatives of the original sinkhole victims who still live in the area. Again, I know the relationship to privacy, the way people feel about it. But I was in the hole. And I know it it would make me really uncomfortable if And my friends, most of my friends are still in the hall, and I don't know, I don't know how I feel about the idea of coming across one of them, about hearing one of their voices and having it be just how I remember it. Forty years out of sync with the world, and a decade out of sync with me. I don't know how I... I don't know. I don't know.
this isn't quite what I thought it'd be. this here. You'll hear from me soon. <laughs>